One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman, alongside me, as ever, Jared Kimber, who's doing a little jig of delight because uh, Australia are eight wickets away from winning the Ashes for the first time since, uh, in England that is, since Jared was about, hmm, I don't know, maybe 20? I don't know, we'll find out shortly. You're listening to the following on podcast on Talk Sport. Twenty? Twenty-one. Oh yeah, not bad, eh? Hey, that's uh, pretty much as good as it's going to get for me in this next twenty odd minutes, I think. Uh, England ending day four here at Old Trafford, eighteen for two, and uh, yeah, the two batsmen who you would say in an unlikely um, uh, occurrence that they could bat out three sessions of play, uh, they would be reliant on. The, Joe Root and Rory Burns, and both were dismissed within two balls of each other. So uh, we need another Headingley, I'm afraid, if you're an English fan. But for Aussie fans, well, you're looking forward to seeing Tim Payne stand up and do what uh, many Aussie captains fail to do and become the first uh, overseas Aussie triumphant skipper since um, Steve Waugh, I guess, 2001. Is that right? Yes. Brilliant. Oh, two for two. I'm doing really well. OK, let's get on with it. Player of the day. Well, he only scored 82, so it can't be Steve Smith. So, so I wrote after the second test for Wisden that um, essentially this was uh, Steve Smith's ashes. And straight afterwards, first guy uh, tweeted back to me, oh, he's not even in the next test. How can you say it's Steve Smith's ashes? It couldn't be any more Steve Smith's ashes. It is ridiculous at this point how he becomes this. Like, at one stage, about halfway through the day, I had, I think I had Joffre with question marks next to his name. Like maybe he was a player of the day. Mitchell Stark took some wickets. Mm. And then Smith just does what he did. They put on a 100-run partnership, him and Wade. Wade looked like at number 11. You know, compared to him, he could not hit the ball off the square. He did well to hang in. It wasn't that he was batting badly, but he couldn't hit the ball off the square. And Smith was just smashing it everywhere. It's ridiculous. There's something wrong with him. He needs to be tested in something. I don't know. Put him in, put, put him in an MRI scanner. I don't know what, what that would tell us, but I'd like to know. He was lucky, though, wasn't he? Lucky to be gifted with this talent. Yeah, but it was lucky. I mean, of all his innings, 
remember the the century at Edgbaston, I think it was. In fact, the two centuries at Edgbaston, Chancellor's Affairs. Um, he doesn't. He, I can see that he's not quite comfortable against Jack Leach uh, as he is against some of the other bowlers. Uh, there was another horrible miscue drive which just plopped into the outfield, which another day could have been out. And there was another instance as well he could have gone. I, I mean, I'm being slightly... I'm not being totally serious, don't get me wrong. But um, what else can you say about the guy? I mean, there were 44 for four. Wade couldn't... Don't you love that, by the way? I love it. I love it when it is. Oh, should we go on one leg while I talk about it? It was 44 for four, and, and Wade could not hit the ball off, off the square at the other end. And, he, and Smith was outside leg stump, mm. um, guiding a ball with a straight bat to third man for four. Uh, I mean, it was. Hey, man, don't go in. This is going to be covered in shots of the day. It is, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's a certain point where I don't think you can make runs on this pitch uh, without uh, being a little bit lucky because I think it's actually quite a tough pitch to bat on. I thought Wade did well to stay. The minute Wade tried to score. I, I just turned to everyone around me and said, well, he's got to go out now because I'm, I'm just not sure he could, which is going to be England's problem if they go for the win at all tomorrow. They could lose a wicket almost every time. Hang on, hang on. Did you just say if England go for the win tomorrow? When England go for the win. Is that what you're looking for? Uh, look, England batted for 100-odd overs. Australia hit 500. It's not the wor- That is by no means the worst pitch I've seen in this Ashes. No, but it's. It, I mean, we had a couple of balls shoot low. Uh, Warner got one shoot low. It's not. Mate, Nathan Lyon hasn't taken a wicket yet. Well, but but we've now got things coming out of the footholds. No, I'm sorry. This is no longer a good. I'm not saying it was ever a great pitch to bat on, but it was certainly no. Actually, it was a very good pitch to bat on for the first couple of days. It started to deteriorate. We've seen wickets go from that. Um, you're going to see uh, what maybe two, three wickets. Um, that you would expect tomorrow to come from the pitch. Uh, we saw head play over a drive. It just rolled under his bat. So, no, it's not a good pitch to bat on. And uh, England, uh, when England do go for the win, uh, it, they might struggle. Well, for so much of this day, the story of the day was the fact that England were just about keeping in with a chance of saving it. But then uh, that's not the story of the day anymore. Well, I mean, they still do have a chance of saving it, don't they? But, yeah, there was that little thing if they could keep close enough and, you know, that when they got those early four wickets. I think the story of the day just is that Smith is on such a different level to every other batsman. Yeah, but that's, that's come on. People are already starting to check Apple Music or starting to find other podcasts. If we, let's, let's pretend there's another story. There is no other story. What's wrong with you? That is the story. It, it is ridiculous that he is on this level. Um, and no one else really made batting look easy. And, uh, you know, he's... Look, story of the day is that Steve Smith's a really good batsman. And I think we just have to go with that. Is the story not of uh, the fact that David Warner might get dropped for the Oval? I don't think he will get dropped for the Oval. Nor do I, but come on! <laughs> It's possible. Could the, <laughs> That's more like it. Could the story of the day be that despite the fact that they moved Jason Roy to number four, he still faced a ball before Joe Denley, who took over from him? Uh, no, I mean, Warner won't. He, that is a big story, though, isn't it? The fact that, you know, you've got these three guys come back from Sandpaper Gate, hashtag. Um, Cameron Bancroft, just, I mean, why and shouldn't have? He's gone. But you've got Steve Smith, who's essentially averaging 100, and Dave Warner, who is averaging naught. That's a story. It's a story of our, uh, of our times. 
The story of the day can't just be about what's good. It's also about what's bad. David Warner is stinking this ashes out. That's fair. Also, it does suggest for all those people who believe in karma, of which I'm not one, that the the karma seems to only be affecting one person. (laughs) Yeah, but the problem with that is, is that David Warner had a terrific World Cup, didn't he? So it's not even... It's not even necessarily about Sandpaper Gate. It's, I mean, it's definitely not about Sandpaper Gate. No, but exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's not karma, is it? Yeah. Well, karma's not a thing. I'm agreeing with you. Karma's not a thing. Why I know. I'm agreeing. What? Rewind. Why did you bring up that thing that I was talking about? <laughs> Rewind twenty seconds. And uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that story of the day. Well, the delivery from Mitchell Stock to Johnny Bairstow, Ooh. you'd have to say, was exquisite. It was as exquisite. As what's the opposite word to exquisite? Um, Desquisite. It was as exquisite a delivery as Bairstow's shot in response was de exquisite. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a beautiful ball, but yeah, but it's one of those things. I remember years ago, Jeffrey Dujon sort of changing the way I thought about cricket when he said, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time when a batsman goes out. It's his fault, not the bowlers. And obviously there's pressure and there's good deliveries and there's the odd unplayable ball. But that was a perfect example of a forward defence there probably gets an inside half of the bat and squirts it out to the leg side. But this sort of, I don't want to say lazy, but, you know, he has this sort of method of sort of half driving the ball defensively. And it's not the same as, you know, defending the ball. It was actually quite funny when you watched um, Jason Roy bat. When Jason Roy came out on that hat trick, he almost double defended the ball. And I thought, well, if you can defend it like that now when you're on a hat trick and you're nervous, why are you not doing that other times when you get good balls? Anyway, this isn't about him. Um, Travis Head got a really good one from Joffrey Archer as well. Well, I was going to say that's actually a better shot because Head was trying to defend that ball and he lost his middle stump as well. Yeah, and he just, after he got in a bit of a verbal stash with Joffrey as well, Joffrey is not someone that you need to talk to if you're out in the middle. You should not talk to, there are certain players you don't talk to and he seems to be one of those. You just let him do his thing and if he's, uh, if he's uh, cruising and, and not quite in the, in the zone, you, you, you make... Just r- let him. Yeah, just allow that to continue. Do not, you know, I, I think Stephen Finn, um, I, I was on a, pod, a rival podcast uh, what? There's another cricket podcast? Yeah, there's two. I should uh, listen. Uh, with Stephen Finn not that long ago, and he was saying that they, he, I think he played him in a county game and bounced him and, and you know, hit him in the head and uh, hit him in the helmet. And uh, the batsman at the other end, it's, it's not a good idea. And uh, Stephen Finn found that out and was hit mu- much harder by Joffre. So he is the sort of person you don't want to poke. But, yeah, there was uh, those, those two were, um, were both very good balls. And we're not mentioning the Pat Cummins ball. To uh, to Joe Root. Which- what are we talking about? In fact, we should delete the last mi- two and a half minutes because the ball that dismissed Joe Root was just ridiculous. We've actually seen this kind of delivery before. I don't really want to talk about that delivery in <laughs> in in you know because everyone's going to be talking about how good that delivery is. What I want to talk about is this. That's the reason Joe Root shouldn't be batting at three because he's had a couple of deliveries like that first up. He's had two golden ducks. You get far more deliveries like that. When you're coming in at number three, then you do it at four. You should go back to four. I agree with you. Of course, if he was batting at four today, he would have been in fourth ball. <laughs> Fifth ball. Um, but he'd still be there. Yeah, OK, sure. There's logic there, sort of. <laughs> uh, that sounded was, a bit like you then. It was an incredible ball. It was uh, angled in around off stump, moved away. Not, not a lot, but enough no. to beat the bat and took the top of off stump. And uh, uh, incredible bowling. He, you know, That's the thing with Pat Cummins um, compared to Pattinson and... Um, uh, well, Broad and some of the other um, Hazelwood. He doesn't get 
extravagant movement. It's just that he bowls so fast and so accurate that any movement is just deadly. It's probably more like Jofra, really. They're, they're very similar in the, the way they don't, they don't move the ball savagely. It's just that it doesn't matter at 90 miles an hour. I wonder how um, Graham Smith would have... Graham Smith, Steve Smith would have played that ball. Um, oh, well, he would have hit it to back of square leg for two. <laughs> Uh, we made, I made mention of it br- briefly, but so two shots for me. Um, they were in successive balls. They were both uh, played by Stephen Smith and Joffre Archer was the bowler. The first of them, first of a new spell, and it was quite short after, it was after the tea break. So um, Joffre Archer came in and essentially Steve Smith almost played a tennis shot to a ball of length, good length. And he's, he placed it kind of like, um, on the half volley above short mid-wicket's head and away for four. And the ball kept a little bit low as well. And the very next ball, it was a shot that you were talking about a few moments ago, when he had basically opened the face of the bat and hit the ball into the turf and to the right of Ben Stokes away for four down to third man. It was ridiculous. From outside leg stump with a straight bat. And then later in the over, he played a defensive hook shot back down the wicket to Joffre Archer, where he was obviously going to slap it. It wasn't quite in the place he wanted. And he just sort of, well, no, he played he, he played a, a, a defensive hook. I'm, I'm not, uh, there's no better way of describing it. Um, he straight batted a hook shot back to the bowler for no run. Um, did you also, actually, maybe I'll put this as my lull of the day. Yeah, I have, actually. We'll talk about that very shortly. I know. I bet you do know what it is as well. I'll I'll see what you think. Anyway, um, it's time for something else. Uh, Well, it's time for uh, another post-match press conference with England's coach, well, soon-to-be former coach, Trevor Bayliss. Uh, Well, anything's possible. We saw that in the last test match. Um, You know, we've certainly got, you know, a couple of guys out there now and a few guys in the shed that are more than capable of scoring 100. We know it's going to be uh, difficult on this on this wicket against this attack, but uh, you know as Ben Stokes uh, showed last, uh, you know in the last Test match, anything's possible, and we've got to you know we've got to give ourselves a chance, and you know we've, we've certainly got the batters in the team to uh, to do that. It's going to be very difficult. We we understand that, but let's uh, you know let's put in a big effort tomorrow and see what we can do. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. 
If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Difficult to think you'd have a rant of the day uh, less than 24 hours out from watching Australia win and Ashes in England. Um, so I'll just have a little mini rant. And, you know, what was really frustrating for me or was the shot selection from Johnny Bairstow today. Now, we know that he's got a terrible record in terms of getting bold. I think he's got one of the highest averages in terms of uh, the, the ways he gets out uh, for getting bold than nearly anybody who's played the game. It's certainly up there anyway. We saw at Headingley how England should go about playing cricket. This was a game that England weren't going to win. Um, and really, it was about crease occupation and taking time out of the game and really trying to ensure that England didn't have to bat in the last hour of day four to be set a target of batting out all three sessions on day five with uh, England would hope if they managed to do that with 10 wickets in hand. Fast forward to the end of day four and we can see exactly what's happened. England did have to bat, not as long as they probably feared at the start of today, but they did have to bat in the gloom for half an hour and we all know what happened. They lost two wickets in two balls, including Joe Root um, and uh, one of their standout batsmen of the series, Rory Burns. The task that awaits them is an almost impossible one, you'd have to say, although bear in mind what happened at Headingley. At Headingley, we saw in the first innings how England shouldn't bat. They were bowled out for 67. And the majority of those wickets were players playing expansive drives against very uh, tight, hostile, fast and premier fast bowling. You then fast forward to innings number two, where England, the exact same batsman, showed how you do bat in a test match. And that is to bat defensively. Anything straight on the wicket, you try and just hit back to the bowler and defend. And then essentially wait for them to drop short, tire, or if it's Mitchell Stark, spray it around a little bit. Johnny Bairstow knows how to bat. And yet he decided against a bowler that um, we know is a confidence man, he essentially forgot about that for uh, one fateful shot. And not only do I blame him for losing his own wicket, what that meant was it gave the confidence back to the bowler and possibly, we'll never know, and it may be pushing things slightly to suggest this, but the delivery that then subsequently got Ben Stokes out, maybe that wouldn't have even happened if Mitchell Stoke hadn't got Johnny Bairstow out. So uh, it's not a rant. It's more of a considered um, passive-aggressive approach to a very, very poor moment of the day. Uh, Besto has been dismissed by Stark seven times, averages 16 and goes out every 29 balls. So it was a very predictable um, thing, unfortunately. Look, and we know that Mitchell Stark has got an incredibly high ratio of bold victims 
And so I suppose if you're coming up to a guy who is uh, more partial than others to getting bold, it's always going to happen. Rory Burns went out to Pat Cummins for the second ball, third ball. I've now lost third ball. Third ball of the innings. Let's call it third ball. It was a third ball. And Dan Bredig uh, of Crick Info tweeted uh, that, oh, yeah, of course, you give Pat Cummins the new ball again because he didn't bowl it in the first thing. He gets it straight online and gets a wicket. And it was not, of course, straight online. In fact, the ball was missing leg stump by about five, five inches, maybe 4.3 inches. I'm not sure. Somewhere in that range is, is where I'm going. The kind of range that if it had hit the pad, although that was almost an impossibility because it was so far down leg, Tim Payne would have definitely gone for the LBW review it was in the tim in the tim Payne review area um and so burns sort of moves across the stumps a little bit and tries to flick it the the ball going well down the leg side further to the leg side now he didn't execute the shot perfectly his bat was outside of his body and and his head was on the wrong line so he did make some mistakes but in trying to flick the ball to the leg side he was caught it it's either cover extra cover or mid off um you shouldn't be caught in that position playing a leg glance. And it's very, very rare it ever happens. It certainly doesn't happen very often to a 90-mile-an-hour bowler. It happens in club cricket when the ball comes so slow you threw your shot early. Um, so that, that has to be unluckiest of the day. The next ball was incredible. But the first wicket, oh, my God, that was lucky. Have you got a lull of the day? I've got two. Uh, well, we know one of your lols of the day is going to be... I know what it's going to be, but I'm going to hold back. And I'm going to go with... The one I don't, I'm not sure is your lull of the day, which is when Joffre Archer and Matthew Wade were having a bit of a go at each other. So Wade had been sledging Archer. At one stage, he seemed to be talking about whether he was loyal or not. And it did, sound, it did seem like to us at times that he was questioning his loyalty to the Hobart Hurricanes, which did seem bizarre. What a bizarre thing. Everyone in the, in the ground is questioning, you know, people got kicked out of the ground for questioning his loyalty to the West Indies. And suddenly Matthew Wade sounded like he was just as upset that um, Joffre may not sign for the Hobart Hurricanes next. Can you imagine all those, all those members of the Hobart Hurricanes burning their memberships, you know, um, uh, ripping up their posters of Joffre Archer in disgust as he goes to another big bash side, or worse still, a Bangladesh Premier League side. Um, so anyway, there was a bit going on between those two all day, and they are teammates, of course. So it was quite interesting. And then uh, uh, Wade flicked the ball on the leg side at one stage, and as he went through for the run, he flicked Joffre Archer's arm, and Archer was not happy with this. And so Archer stood mid-pitch and waited for Wade to turn around and just perfectly matching up. Wade hadn't quite seen Archer, so he ran towards Archer looking for the second run. And then backed back. But it looked like, of course, he was backing back because Archer was, like, blocking off. The... It... I don't know if I can fully explain how funny this was, but everyone who saw it, Google it. I look for the, um, the, the, the gif. I'm pretty sure it's on Twitter of it. It is a very fun, funny moment. But that's not the one I think is, was your one of your lols. You're right. It isn't, but it was a good moment. I think one of your lols of the day, I'm absolutely sure, was when Joffre Archer bout Steve Smith. Steve Smith <laughs> fell over in trying to duck under the ball. And while he was laying on his back, he played at the shot he should have played, which was the uppercut shot. It was incredible. He's on the ground. He didn't even bother to get up to practice the shot. It was so bizarre. There's a, there's a legendary bass player. I think, I want to say from Detroit, um, 
who was maybe involved in Motown, and he was like the bass player. And I remember, it just made me think of him. There was one night he was way too drunk, and they got him in from the nightclub. And he just said, just strap the bass on me, laid on the floor in the recording studio and recorded the bass. That's what, there's some people that are so genius that they could do what they do on the ground. You're right. That was my moment, my lol of the day. Uh, One last lol of the day as well. And even the player himself laughed. David Warner getting out again to Stuart Broad, his first pair in international cricket. Was um, and after being given a leg before wicket, he, you could lip read what he was saying to uh, Marcus Harris. Essentially, he's saying, "Oh, that's just out. I'm not going to review it." Well, that's not what he said. What did he say? He said, "It's salmon, salmon trout." Uh, okay, well, he's using rhyming slang. Um, but he laughed all the way, didn't he? He laughed at 22 yards. And I thought, well, if it's good enough to, for David Warner to be uh, laughing out loud, it's good enough for the following on Cricket Podcast. Mistake of the day. I've got a little mistake, but I don't think it really has much bearing on the proceedings moving forward. Uh, so England took... Australia were 44 for four. Uh, England were all over them. Then they went to tea. Of course, Australia is still leading by 250. 60 or something but Joe Root knows that the only possible chance England have got of what would have still been a very unlikely victory uh, was to take more wickets and essentially take get Steve Smith and at the very least slow the run scoring and that not have to bat that last half an hour as I made mention so what does he do comes out after the tea break and instead of just saying to Joffrey Archer or Stuart Broad or both Give me four overs each. Let's just see what can happen here. You never know. Take two wickets and suddenly, look, we, we were all at Headingley. He starts with Craig Overton and Jack Leach. So he goes uber defensive and first ball, Steve Smith immediately tries to smash Leach through the covers. At the end of the over, I think he'd picked up a couple of boundaries or something. Aussie came out saying, hang on, boys, let's just hammer it. We are in control of this game. Joe Root came out going, Ooh, let's just see what happens for 20 minutes. Game set a match, Australia. I mean, to be fair, Joffre did bowl a 400 over spell. Well, no, no, but that's the thing. He hadn't. He'd bowled nine over spell or something. You're talking about... Nine over spell? Yeah, I know, but you're talking about... They're not bowling again. He's not going to be bowling tomorrow, is he? He just, bowled, he just bowled 22 overs in... And, I just think that it was a bit ridiculous. He could have been batting this afternoon, the way this series has been going. I want to read a quote from a player and tell me if you know who this player is. The DRS isn't a huge thing for us. We want to talk about the way we are playing, not the way we are reviewing a decision. Certainly, we want to get better at it. We're going to communicate that better amongst ourselves. Uh, but you go with what you think you see, and we are going to get that wrong. We can, what we can control is the attitude, field placings, where to bowl to certain people. We're going to concentrate on what we can control, not a DRS or an umpiring decision. Tim Payne. So, I'm sorry, you can control being better at a DRS. This, now I think about it, this should have been my rant of the day, not my <laughs> mistake of the day. I'm very, it, it, this is your mistake of the day. These sorts of things really upset me because... You should be trying to improve absolutely everything about your career. Well, we are told it's all about the one percenters in professional sport, aren't we? Yeah, because let let me just show one of the things he says here, right, is we need to control our attitude, right? What does that even mean? It's such a nonsense phrase. It means nothing. You you can actually come up with a really good system for DRS, right? I I think there's a really, really simple kind of system you can be. If you think um, the ball is hitting the middle of middle, 
uh, you can try and overturn something. But you should probably keep most, you know, you, you, should, you should probably be ke- keeping it for that and for court behinds. You shouldn't be doing, if anything is marginally line ball in any way, you should be keeping the review for later on. I just, I, I, I think it's a fairly simple uh, plan. You should be, you should, you should have a fielder who's square of the wicket, who's always square of the wicket that is helping you with height. And you should be getting the best judge of line to be helping you with line. There are simple things you can do, right? Yeah, and we toured with Matt Pryor and he went to great length to tell us a couple of times that, you know, he and Andrew Strauss and uh, whoever worked out a system. Andrew Strauss actually had worked it out, a system that worked for England. And actually, you've got to say, it's one area where England still are beating Australia and it is use of DRS. And mistake of the day, remember, we didn't even mention this fact, Tim Payne did it again today. Jack Leach should have been given out leg before wicket to Mitchell Stark. And because he'd burnt that review a couple of overs before, chasing an LBW decision that he knew wasn't out, same thing happened. Now, England, they passed the follow-on in the 10 runs that they added. They weren't going to be enforced. But on another day, they would have been enforced. Yeah. And that would have been a massive change in the game. It, it just... I, these are the things that really frustrate me because I think that teams can improve. And I think it's that kind of attitude that sometimes Australian cricket gets so many things right, but there's a certain arrogance that we have within our cricket because we are better than most other teams throughout the history of the game where we just go, oh, it's not a big deal. And it's like, it is a big deal. And we're eventually going to have to get this right. And at the moment, we're, we're, you know, it's, it's not being done right. It's being done unprofessionally. And I, I'm sorry, but that comment is absolute load of I can't swear on this podcast can I it's a load of not nice things fast forward to tomorrow a um, steaming load of not nice things fast forward to tomorrow and who knows maybe another DRS howler allows England off the hook again and we go to the over one all you think it couldn't happen well it could no it could happen why do you have so much lemon in this room uh because I've got a sore throat and I'm drinking some hot lemon some ginger some honey and actually listen to me sound great sound a lot better than I did when I was out drinking with you last night. Moment of the day. It's got to be Steve Smith, doesn't it? I mean, he's out for his lowest score, a failure, practising shots whilst lying on the ground. I mean, the, the guy's obviously lost the plot. Um, I actually watched him because the, the players come out right below me. And he even goes through a kind of routine before he walks over the boundary rope. It's very, very odd. There was another moment earlier in today when uh, it was another, we've spoken about this before, it was a miss shot. I can't remember which delivery it was. But he essentially ran down the, w- the wicket because he got a single from it. And uh, he was practicing. He must have re-practiced the shot five times and was still practicing the shot at the non-striker's end, shouting at himself before then going through the usual touching of the top of the, uh, the two pads, flexing his wrists, doing all the, uh, the, uh, the chicken dance. You know the chicken dance? I do know the chicken dance. But yeah, I, I think um, probably a moment of the day is probably the Cummins two wickets, isn't it? Because yeah. that, that will, it probably stops England from being able to comfortably ever go for the win tomorrow. Um, hey, hey, what? There ain't no chance. They were never going for the win. What it does, it takes out any realistic dreams I may have had tonight about England batting out the day tomorrow. You're right. It was moment of the day. Um, and it was brilliance as well because we've talked so much about Joffrey Archer and Ben Stokes and Stephen Smith. Patrick Cummins is the number one fast bowler in the world. Patrick Cummins has taken more wickets in this series than anybody else. Patrick Cummins has just produced one of the balls of the series. And in doing that, he has essentially ripped out the heart of this team. 
the focus is going to be back on England's captaincy. The focus is going to be back on the deficiencies within the side. And all of that, that could have waited uh, mm. until England lost at the Oval. Well, I think England obviously had a 40% chance of winning uh, when they went into bat, and it's probably only 37% now. You're listening to the following on podcast, myself, Jared Kimber. We will be back tomorrow uh, when England and Australia will play out day five of the fourth test match and a chance for Tim Payne's men to win the Ashes on English soil. Um, Yeah, that's pretty depressing. Uh, Tune in or uh, subscribe to iTunes or Acast and join us following the day's play here at Old Trafford tomorrow after day five. You're listening to Following On and thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.